He is with you. He does not leave you or forsake you. And what time you are afraid, you can trust in him. And he will meet your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And you can do all things through him who gives you strength. Depend and rely on the promises of God. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Ask those questions. Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. You know I love you, Jesus. It's a wonderful moment of restoration, and and everything's right. So Pete's at the pinnacle of faith, right? And then he turns to Jesus and says, "What about John? I mean, don't you need to go talk to John? I'm not sure he loves you like I love you." <laughs> I love Peter. And Jesus says, "Shut up." Don't worry about him. And then he says this, John 21, verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So Peter, in that moment, made a decision that now we know what he decided. He decided to follow Jesus. And so from that moment, he knew God had made a promise. This is going to end less desirable than you think. You're going to die for me. Now, I think that he very well could have remembered the exact words of Jesus, that Jesus said, when you are old. And he knew he didn't consider himself old yet, so he went to sleep peacefully thinking, it's not yet my time. But it could have just been, he thought, you know what, one day this is going to end because of Jesus. If it's tonight, that's okay. I'm not losing any sleep over it. The the question is, when are you going to get to the point in your life where you say, God, I trust you no matter what. I finally figured out My work won't let me be free of the chains. I can't get myself out of this. My anxiety, my worry will never be enough. I'm going to trust what you said you're going to do. Maybe you need to write this down and remember it. Circle it in your Bible. Isaiah 26.3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you're not experiencing God's perfect peace, it's not his fault. He keeps his promises. J. Oswald Sanders says, peace is not the absence of trouble. It is the presence of God. (laughs) So Peter, he's asleep. I can almost hear him turn to the guards. Excuse me, guys. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray thee my soul to take. Verse 6. So Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. 
everything in that verse described an impossible situation. Doors closed. 16 guards and chains. And some of you walked in today, and as you look at it through the filter of your flesh, everything in your life seems impossible. The doors seem to be closed. You feel bound by the chains. I want to remind you what took place right before we read these words. But the church was praying. We're in the 12th chapter of Dr. Luke's account of the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. And in every single chapter, you see the power of prayer. The church of today will not look like the church of the New Testament if it's not a praying church. Christ followers, Christians today, will not experience the power that is evidenced in Christians in the New Testament if we are not praying Christians You see, when we pray, we seek the face of God. Our prayer touches the heart of God. And our prayer moves the hand of God. And the hand of God is what holds and moves the world. When we pray, no matter what our situation, no matter how tough the scenario, no matter how big the battle, it's like bringing a gun to a knife fight. It's not even fair. Because we access the power of the Almighty. And when we fail to pray and we do it in our own strength. We get what we've brought to the fight. I love the little verse that says Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on their knees. What do you do when it seems like the doors are closed tight? Do you pray? What's your prayer life like right now? Are you taking your problems to God in prayer? When you do, you find out that our problems are no match for God's power and God's presence. Our God is bigger than our problems. No matter what you're facing, your God is big enough to see you through. Look as we continue in verse 7. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side, and he woke him up, saying, Get up quickly. Now this is another one of the funny parts of this humorous chapter. An angel of the Lord appeared. But Peter is so sound asleep, he just keeps snoring. He's sawing logs. I mean, can you imagine this picture? The angel shows up. I mean, he's done this a few times throughout Scripture. The angel shows up. We're expecting him to see an acknowledgement. And Peter just... I imagine the angel might have went... If 
Finally, it says he struck him. It's the exact same word that's used at the end of this chapter when the angel of the Lord shows up and strikes Herod. He shakes him. He arouses him out of his deep sleep and he says, get up. And then the angel says to him, dress yourself, put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. So here in the book of Acts, once again, the model for the church, the model for Christ's followers, we see God's about to do something that only God could get credit for. Raise your hand if you want God to work in such a way in your life that everybody in your circle of influence would have to say, only God. That's what I want in my life. That's what I want in church. I, I want to see God show up and move in such a mighty way that the people around don't look and say, wow, you're doing a great... No, 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 no. I want them to say, wow, God can work through anybody, can he? Look at what God has done. Well, how do we get there? You, you see an important lesson right here in Peter's actions. God does the impossible. He sends the angel. He breaks the chains. Some of you need him to do that in your life. He'll do that. He does the impossible. But he expects you to do the possible. So just think about it. The angel could have just said, could have nodded his head or snapped his finger or whatever they do. And he could have made Peter's pajamas come off and his clothes come on. He could have put his sandals on. His feet. He didn't. He says to Peter, get up and put your sandals on. See, God will do the extraordinary, but he wants you to do the ordinary. And some of us, were crying out to God, Oh God, I need a miracle. Oh God, I need you to show up. I need you to do something, God. And yet, we're not doing what he's already told us to do. We're not doing what we know to do. Is there anything God's already told you to do that you're not doing? We've already learned that delayed obedience is disobedience. And disobedience always results in us being robbed of God's blessings. Well, look, let's continue quickly. Verse 9, he went out and he followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. That's kind of significant. Peter, again, lacking faith. He's the apostle. God's used him in a mighty way. But, oh, this must be a dream. This is too good to be true. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city, and it opened for them on its own accord. This is the first automatic door. I mean, he didn't even need a garage door opener. And they went out, and they went along one street, and immediately the angel left them. Now, in my opinion, this is where the story gets real funny, so let's follow along. Verse 11. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me. He's a dumb skull. I mean, we already knew he's hard-headed. But like the angel had to leave and leave him in the middle of the road for him to realize, oh, how did I get here? I guess this isn't a dream. Some of us need to ask, what has God got to do to get our attention? What is it going to take for God to show you that he's got you? That he'll take you where he wants you to be if you just trust him. Well, Peter's saying, well, I'm sure. Thomas Watson, the Puritan leader, says, the angel fetched Peter out of jail, but prayer fetched the angel. 
So when we pray, God's plan still going to prevail. But when we pray, God moves. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Well, what happens next is also funny because it's easier for Peter to get out of jail than it is for him to get into a prayer meeting. Look at verse 12. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and they were praying. Now, some historians believe that Mary, John Mark's brother, actually lived in what we call the upper room. Again, in our Israel trips, we visit the upper room, the upper room where Jesus met with the disciples, the upper room where the apostles were meeting when they were praying and the Holy Spirit fell. And, and here in Acts chapter 12, again, the upper room where they were meeting. And so Peter goes to the upper room and he, he goes to the door and he knocks at the door, it says in verse 13, and a servant girl named Rhoda, or Rose, came to answer. In verse 14, it says, recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. Now that's kind of funny. They'd been in a meeting praying for Peter. Peter knocks on the door. She goes to the door and says, oh, Peter, this is awesome. Crazy. Okay, keep reading. They said to her, oh, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. So they just kept saying, no, 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 no. It's his angel. Like some today, they believe that every person had a guardian angel. Say, ah, no, that's not Peter. That's got to be his angel. What does this tell you? They weren't praying expectantly, right? Do you expect God to answer your prayers? They were praying faithfully and fervently, but they weren't praying expectantly. Because when God showed up with exactly what they prayed for, they didn't even recognize him. What about in your life? Let me challenge you about something this does not mean. This does not imply that our faith limits God. It actually goes against what is taught in many circles today and even in some more mainstream circles that we call faith teaching. Some churches teach that if it doesn't happen, that which you've prayed for, it's not God's fault, it's your fault for not having enough faith. Is that what scripture teaches? 
that if my prayers aren't answered the way I want, if I'm not healed, if this person isn't saved, if, if that person doesn't change their ways, it's because I didn't pray hard enough, I didn't have enough faith? Absolutely not. You know why? Because in this scenario, they didn't have the faith, but God still did what he wanted to do. See, God is not limited by our faith. He is not bound by our belief. Remember, he's sovereign. One of the great examples of this is the guy whose son was demon-possessed and comes across Jesus, and Jesus talks to him about his faith. And what does he say? Yeah, I believe. Help my unbelief. And I'm that guy. I really do believe. But I, I'm... I'm I'm so thankful that God, just think about what that implies. God, the Almighty, the Sovereign of the universe, His power is limited by what I do? I don't think so. Don't buy that lie. Well, they were debating the theology of angels, and Peter just kept knocking. Look at verse 16. But Peter continued knocking, and when they saw him, they opened and they were amazed. Don't miss this. When God puts you somewhere, you keep, you keep pressing on. You keep leaning in. You keep knocking until he shows you why he's put you there. Until he accomplishes his purpose. I wonder how many things are missed out on by the children of God because we walk out before God is finished. Frankly, I, I see that in people who bear my calling all the time. You face difficulties, you face hardships, you face disappointments and hurt feelings, and you walk away, and you miss out on what God wanted you to experience. Where's God saying in your life, just keep knocking? Verse 17. Motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James, that's the other James, the apostle, and to the brothers. And then he departed and went to another place. Now the story gets crazy. Look in verse 18. Now when the day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers. I love Dr. Luke's detail. No little disturbance. This was a big deal. Herod was ticked. After Herod searched for him, Peter, and did not find him, he examined the sentries in order that they should be put to death. So he killed the people, the 16 guards. Do you understand this? 16 guards lost Peter. When God wants to break the chains in your life, when he wants to deliver you out of a circumstance, it doesn't matter who or what has been put around you. He can do what he wants to do. Herod, Herod did not like this. He killed those guards. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and he spent time there. It says in verse 20, he was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon and they came to him with one accord. They persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain. They asked for peace because the country depended on the king's country for food. And then in verse 21, it says, on an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes. He took his seat among the throne and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of God and not of man. And notice this verse. And immediately, 
an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. He was eaten by worms. Talk about stranger things. I mean, my goodness. This is... He was eaten by worms. God always gets his last word. That, that's why, if you read scripture, you, you've got to be careful not to be, not to be caught up by these things you don't understand. Because God always gets the last word. Eusebius describes it, that Herod actually, again, was at Caesarea by the sea. On our Israel trips, we sit in the actual Colosseum where this happened. He, he walked in to the Colosseum at Caesarea by the sea, just north of Jerusalem. And he's wearing this robe that is jeweled with these, I don't know, silver speckles that makes them shine and glitter in the sun. And when he talks, the people begin to go, oh, you're so great, Herod. You're God, your voice is the voice of God. And instead of saying what any of us should say when we're praised in that kind of way, he says, oh, we should say, oh, no, 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 no. What does he say? Stop it. Stop it. Stop it some more. And he takes God's glory. I need you to understand Christ's followers. What was true in the Ten Commandments is still true today. Our God, the Lord your God, is a jealous God. He does not want to be robbed of his glory. So, so when you look at your life and you think about all that you've done, you think about the titles you've gained or the wealth you've accumulated or the power that you have, just remember this, God will not be robbed of his glory. And so historians say that this may have been a tapeworm. I thought about just describing some of the medical reports of this to you, but it's too early. I can't have people getting sick right here. A tapeworm. Some have said that it was intestinal worms that formed a bowel blockage that became so big it exploded and he died. Eusebius reports he may have lived for five days in immense pain, agony, and suffering. Was this the same angel that woke Peter up? I don't know. It's the same word. The same word he used to say he struck Peter is the word he used to say he struck Herod. God always gets the last word. This week I was with these all-star students in our nation's capital. I'm always amazed. I'm, I'm a patriot. I'm amazed to walk through these halls of power and just think about the decisions that are made. I, I read this morning that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And I was just reminded, oh, we need to be praying for our president, our vice president, Speaker of the House, Pelosi, and, uh, and the, the majority leader of the Senate, McConnell, and all our congressmen and senators and leaders and and just pray that God would move in their hearts. There's a lot of power that's represented on the streets and the hallways of this city. And, and yet I want to remind you, 
that there's no wisdom, no understanding, no counsel that can avail against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to God. Or as Jesus put it, the gates of hell will not prevail against the You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.